transferred to to mean something else, usually something maybe related. We used to have a gentleman who called the radio station all the time when we would refer to children as kids, and he would point out that kids, as he saw it, were not kids. They were kids were goats, small goats, baby goats. But uh, we we have taken the word since they, it applies to the, that part of the animal kingdom, and in our part of the animal kingdom, we apply it to our children, our small people, and uh, their kids too. So there there you go. And I think that's that's one of the great arguments about the English language. But I would like to hear your story about thumbing a ride. If you had to thumb a ride somewhere, uh, routinely, most people I guess it's exceptional, but but uh, if you're old enough, not everybody had a car, and that was part of the thing that led me to thumb. In the four years I was at Wake Forest College back in the uh, 60s, uh, to thumb about, I, I kept a, a log. I didn't, didn't write a whole lot, but I wrote down the miles. I, I thumbed, I figured, a little over 8,500 miles, 8,500 miles, between Winston-Salem and Goldsboro and Raleigh and Chapel Hill, most anywhere I went, I had to go on my thumb, and it was a kind of a tricky thing, and uh, probably had—I don't know if you would call them dangerous. It certainly had dangers, but it had the possibility of failing. But it never really failed me. It came close sometimes, but it never really failed me. And I—I I, uh, well, I started out. I didn't have any money. I was a scholarship student and uh, didn't have any ready cash. I think I had $14 per week to spend. Now, this was a long time ago, so $14 went further then to spend, to spend on everything. I, you know, That's like food and pencils and whatever. Uh, but in any event, uh, and if uh, I wanted to go home to see my parents and so my mother could wash my laundry, uh, she, she knew that, that she was going to do that. Uh, then I would... Uh, either have to catch a ride with somebody uh, that I knew. And I'm talking, when I'm talking about hitchhiking tonight, I'm talking about with, with strangers. That is, out on the highway, taking whoever comes along. Once in a while, I'd catch a ride with somebody from Smithfield or Kinston or whatever that would just take me to Goldsboro. But about 150 miles. And it would take, the, if I'd taken the bus, it would have taken me about six hours, I figured. And usually when I thumbed, it averaged less than four hours. Uh, I once made it in, and I will in fact tell you the story tonight, uh, 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 less time than that. In fact, it, from the time I was picked up on the expressway in Winston-Salem to the time I got out of my car in Goldsboro, it was in just about three hours. But uh, we were moving on, so to speak, there. Uh, but uh, so no, no riding of the bus. It was took too long and was too expensive, and so so out goes the thumb, as they say on Vanity, the Vanity Fair uh, song goes, and we, we catch a ride, and we end up where we want to go, and some interesting experiences here and there, some funny experiences, and if you had interesting or funny experiences, please join us at 919-860-9783. One of the things that I learned in an interview one night with a gentleman who had written a biography of... Uh, Senator, I mean, rather, Governor, former Governor Jim Hunt, who's been Governor of North Carolina for a total of 16 years. You cannot, you can only be eight years, but he he went eight years and then skipped a time or two. I can't remember which. 
and then you can you can run again, but you can only do eight continuously, and then you have to stop and uh, reorder things or whatever. But he uh, he was a student at NC State University from Wilson County, and he went to he was I think majoring in agricultural or agricultural education or something like that, and he went to a, a conference for young agricultural students that was somewhere, and he met this young lady, and he was smitten. I think it's fair to say that. In any event, she lived in Iowa, I think, and he lived in North Carolina, and he thumbed, I have the impression from the records I've read, more than once that far, but certainly at least once, but more than once, to to where she lived. Uh, it's a 30-some-hour thumb and back to visit uh, who the lady who later became Mrs. Hunt and the first lady of North Carolina back uh, in the in the 80s and 90s. So uh, we're in good company. And uh, But thumbing is not something that you do now. You could do it then. It was a different time and a different place. And there were more people thumbing because not everybody had a car. I think the last time I thumbed somewhere in Raleigh was, oh, it must have been 15 years, no more than that. It was... Uh, 30 years ago, it was when our studios were still downtown, and I lived in West Raleigh, and I actually thumbed downtown because of a snowstorm. I went to catch the bus, and the bus didn't come, so I thumbed, and I made it, but that was about 30 years ago. I thought a couple of times I would have to thumb uh, to to actually the, the place I had my auto worked on, because it was going to be available to people for me in the afternoon, and I could not get a ride. Nobody was going my way. But uh, usually some something appeared to the rescue. But uh, but I I enjoyed the thumbing, and uh, it was, uh, I didn't think it was dangerous. It was adventurous, and uh, it was kind of like being free. One of the most popular books of the late 1950s uh, from the beatnik side was by a man named Jack Kerouac. It was called On the Road, and he glorified being on the road and thumbing was one of the ways and in the end they end up uh, taking on a job he and his friend drive a car from LA to I think Chicago or the other way around but anyway when the car got there it had been in enough scuffles that the man that the man at the house didn't recognize it but but he he, he thumbs that was part of the beat generation and I was in Goldsboro, North Carolina, when I was in junior high and high school, fascinated by the whole idea, and not knowing I would still be fascinated by it 60 or 65 years later. Well, I would like for you to queue up. Don't let me down. Don't be bashful. Tell me about your experiences, whether it's the short trips, uh, incidental thumbing, just when you needed to. I actually had a job one time that my car broke down, and I, I had to thumb for about two weeks, and that meant I had to start early just so I would make sure I got there, and it was just about dark when I got through. Well, it wasn't fun that time, but anyway, uh, uh, so, uh, but you you may have a story. In fact, I think one time when we did this, we had some stories from some ladies, or from, or from at least one lady, in a time when they, when perhaps it was in, say, rural situations to, to do that. But tell me your story. Let's be a, a, a place of storytellers like Professor James Clark's story his hometown of Vaughan last Monday night. Uh, I just found his, his book fascinating, and I hope you found our interview with him fascinating. But we 
we need to be fascinating here tonight. So 919 is the area code, 860-9783, 860-WPTF. Queue up. That is get in line, and we will hear your story right after this. If I have to hitchhike around the world, hitchhike. Oh, he's going to be hitchhiking. He's going to hmm. Chicago. I'm Tom Kearney, and we're back with our program now. John Salter is our producer, and he's the one who plays the music like that coming back into the show. We call that in the business bumper music, and uh, I just have to make sure the telephones are working here. Uh, so we, we'll lay that out as a small trivia question. Who was that singing that song? Who was the, who was the vocalist? John and I were talking about, talking about to him while you were aw- we were away and you were listening to the commercials and so on. We were, we were, we had, I had forgotten the name. I remember that the, uh, I really had forgotten it. It just was having trouble coming up and in my memory. But in any event, uh, we'll use this as a little exploration to see if the phones are working. 919 is the area code 860-9783. by the way, it works out to be our call letters. If you have letters on your telephone, it helps you to dial it and remember it, it's WPTF, 860-WPTF. And if you know who the artist was, the musician, the singer who did the, the bumper music coming back in. Uh, uh, when I got to, uh, I never thumbed much around my hometown. It, it was small enough and until uh, I got to high school. You, it was not considered socially acceptable to ride a bicycle in high school then. Uh, all the bicycles in Goldsboro, except about three, were balloon tire, and you, the 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 English bicycles, as as we call them, belong to usually uh, a couple of wealthy guys who didn't have to worry about what anybody thought about them. And that's one of the real drawbacks of small towns, of course, is that everybody's perfectly willing to judge you and tell you what they think about you. But in any event. Uh, uh, and that didn't sound much in Goldsboro, so I had to work it out. I had to work out a system and where to go. And in Winston-Salem, uh, I, the, the expressway was already open, I, the I-40 expressway. It was supposed to go around town, but uh, because Winston-Salem needed an expressway, they kind of broke the rules and built it through town. Since then, they built the one around town, and lately they've been reconstructing the one through town. But when they built it, they did something kind of nice. The apron, the little area outside where the cars are supposed to drive, it, it, the, the, the whole road was concrete. It was to last a long time, and, and I think it did, because this was like uh, 50, 60 years ago. But uh, the apron was colored a light pink, and I think it was so, if you were got there, you knew you were off the roadway. And, and where they have rules about thumbing in the United States, even now, usually, uh, the, most states will allow you to thumb, uh, but you have to stay out of the roadway. You can't be on the part that the automobiles are supposed to occupy. Well, there there I knew where that was. All I had to do was to get to from the university, which was north of in the northern part of Western Salem, downtown. And they had expressways and roads that uh, were throughways in Western Salem. So I figured out how to do that. Then I, I realized that... Uh, I had one big suitcase that I took, and, and it couldn't have a, carry around multiple pieces of luggage or anything like that. And I got found out if I could buy a piece of poster board and write my destination on it, then it would help me with my thumbing. And, and indeed it did. Now, there you have to watch it, though. 
you, uh, you, you have to use the psychology that works. You have to put someplace that you think somebody might be going. So when I thumb from Winston-Salem, I quite I wouldn't often put Goldsboro, which was my ultimate destination. I might put Greensboro, or I might put Raleigh. Now, Raleigh's a place that a lot of people were going because you had six colleges there. Uh, the big NC State University, I think one of the first times I thumbed, I got a ride with a student who was going. Uh, he was in a 57 Chevy. It was red with a white stripe down the side of it. I remember it well. I think I got the ride in Burlington. But uh, he was going to, to Raleigh, to the capital. And there was lots of reasons to be going there, and there still are. And a lot of folks have, as you know, if you're in the, the capital city uh, of the Tar Heel State, a lot of them are in Raleigh now. So I made, made a sign that said Raleigh. I made one that, that on the opposite side that said Goldsboro. Uh, eventually I came up with a sign that said 70 East because that's really where I wanted to go and anywhere along 70 East. Uh, 70, of course, runs kind of by Winston-Salem. In fact, it runs all the way to the West Coast. At one time, uh, it was the sixth longest highway in the United States. ran all the way to Long Beach, California from uh, Atlantic, North Carolina, which is past Beaufort out on the end. When you when you get to the end of Highway 70 East, you're in the water. Uh, but I wasn't going that far. But anyway, uh, and there were the expressway between Durham and uh, Greensboro, I-85, had not been open long. By the way, they had planned it, and the day that it opened, it was already uh, over-subscribed. Uh, there were more cars than they had planned for to be on it. There was no I-40. Uh, in fact, I-40 at that time had not been constructed between the mountains and Greensboro, Asheville, across the mountains into Tennessee. They were still working on it. They they started laying the road between Greensboro and Winston-Salem uh, when I first, one of my first thumbing trips. They were out putting concrete down. And, and for the rest of the time, the 60 years since then, almost every time I've been on that road, somebody was working on it. And eventually they decided some years later to extend I-40 from that point there. That is uh, just to where... Uh, I-85 goes south to Charlotte is where I-40 began. They extended I-40 eastward to Wilmington, and we know where it goes. It comes to just about Hillsborough and then bends over toward Raleigh and goes down ultimately to Wilmington. Uh, the, the selling point of the North Carolina legislature was to, to develop more traffic and open Wilmington up as a seaport. More about my thumbing and maybe yours right after this. Vanity Fair, from way back when, sometime in the early 70s, I think. And it's spelled Vanity, and then F-A-R-E, not F-A-I-R. Like, there's a great English novel called Vanity Fair, but this is not it. This is the song, and it's about putting the thumb up and catching a ride. That's what we're talking about. That's what I was inspired to think about this afternoon while I was sitting in my big red chair. Uh, eyes closed and being nostalgic about what, what what am I thinking about today. And I was thinking about hitching a ride. Uh, it's a long time ago, and I haven't done it lately, but it was kind of romantic for me. My brother, who's, uh, who's often on the radio with us, said that he uh, he 
he's 15 years younger than I am, and he said he often admired my, my doing that. And your little brother does not often admire anything you do. He's just not, uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, but that uh, uh, I, I got with the idea of get, having to get somewhere with no money. I, it was like a lemon, and I tried to make lemonade out of it. But I, I tried to have a good time. I can remember hitching a ride uh, around uh, uh, the edge of Durham. Uh, the expressway between Raleigh and Durham was not open then, and uh, uh, many times I had to, well, those of you who live in this area, it was uh, Glenwood Avenue and Highway 70 is the way you could take 85 to to Durham from, from uh, Greensboro, and then 85 goes north there, and and if you want to go south and east, you have to take Highway 70. And then uh, during these years is when uh, they will start building I-40 uh, between the Triangle and uh, and Raleigh. The, the, that was the first half that was built, and then the second half was built later than that. But in any event, uh, uh, I was out there one day, and I'm, and I'm telling you a story, and this is what I would like to hear from you. I would like to hear your story. I have told you how I had learned to to make myself a sign, and I could could prop my knee up on my leg up on the suitcase and hold the sign, and and generally try to look happy and uh, enthusiastic. Uh, uh, there was no need to growl at those folks; that wouldn't encourage them to pick me up. But something was not difficult, and I was picked up by state legislators. I've already mentioned a a guy coming to state from somewhere in the western part of the state. Uh, a congressman, a state, a state legislator, I think his name was Forsyth from Asheville, picked me up one day, and, and uh, it just was all kinds of people. I was picked up by, uh, uh, they called it, uh, I, I called it the varmint truck. It was a, uh, There was a business somewhere in the central part of the state that collected dead animals and stuffed them for use as biological specimens and so on, like cats and possums and things like that, and I got a ride on that. Uh, didn't see any of the victims, but uh, it was an interesting smelling operation. But then again, beggars can't be choosers. And when you're accepting a free ride, well, I did. I I, I did, and it it was a part. It provided me with a story for you. Now, if you have a story, nine one nine is is the the, the uh, code eight six zero nine seven eight three and. Uh, with all the interesting folks we have in our audience, there must be some interesting thumbing stories. They may be when you were younger. They may not have been as foundational as these were. That is, this was not something I was just doing for for fun. It was uh, usually when I was thumbing, it was because I needed to get somewhere, and it was the way I was getting there. And I did not get my first car that I owned until after I graduated from college, and, and I paid for it. So... Uh, and so that was that was the way I thought it had to be, and that's the way it was, and that's the way you, one gets things done. But anyway, I, the way I got it done was to pack up my bags, and as Fancy Fair said, thumbs up, and you're either hitching a ride, uh, uh, hitchhiking, I think, uh, bumming a ride is what they sometimes call it. They call it a lot of times during the, the Depression because the people who were seeking rides were unemployed people, and sometimes quote, bums, whatever that may be. And sometimes bums is to ride on automobiles and sometimes on on trains. But in any event, uh, I uh, uh, learned uh, to 
be cheery. I had a little radio that I carried. I always loved the radio, and the station in eastern North Carolina was the first oldies station that I ever heard. And I remember 1963, 64, the rock and roll era was already establishing some oldies, some songs left over from the 50s. And, of course, still like to to uh, to hear the oldies. And, in fact, if you tune in tomorrow night to the Tom Kearney Show, it will be Friday night, and it will be Friday Night Trivia, and we're going to have named that song. Uh, an operation not unlike my thumbing out there when I was listening to the songs, except it was later when I took up driving an automobile and had a nice radio in there, and I would find that the hours would go by if I listened to, say, our sister station, 850, and played the songs that are really sort of the, the music of my life and many of our listeners' lives and so on. And so uh, the, that's my way, if you're wondering what, what we're doing. I'm sneaking a promo in on you. Tomorrow night, uh, 9 to 10, the Tom Kearney Show will be Friday night trivia, and it will be music trivia, uh, music from the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, and maybe 80s. I, I pretty much got off the bus about the, in the middle of the 80s, and uh, so uh, have not kept up with the things thereafter, but one is entitled to, to the music of one's own life. But uh, Tom, we have uh, Mark in Raleigh. He wants to talk okay. about hitchhiking. Okay, we'll do that. And so uh, that's... Um, that's uh, one of the, the things that made it easier for me was to to regard it as kind of an adventure. Mark, are you there? Um, uh, I want, just wanted to say my, my grandfather was in the Navy in World War II and spent a lot of time in Norfolk. And he used to hitchhike in his uniform all the time back into to his home in uh, eastern North Carolina, you know, because people would pick you up. But uh, I also met, uh, one time I met uh, Joe uh, Vesniewski, uh, he was one of the band of brothers, you know, from like the one of the real guys that was in the the uh, Easy Company in World War II, and he told me a story that when he got back uh, and was mustered out of the army up in Pennsylvania, that he, you know, got his uh, uh, bag and everything and was in his uniform and was standing by the road and, and was thumbing a ride, and the first civilian that picked him up robbed him. That <laughs> was the first American he had met since he came back, and the guy took everything he had except the clothes he had on and left him standing by the road. And he's well, they, would have been all, they wouldn't have been all right, but it would have been better if the guy had given him a ride and then robbed him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but he just robbed him. And just, you know, never where, did you, where did your grandpa live? Uh, my grandfather lived in uh, Everett, North Carolina, which is near Williamson, North Carolina. Up so in the was, northeast uh, corner, right? Yeah, yeah he ran a, a general store there for many years. So, uh, yeah. Was he stationed yeah. in Norfolk? Uh, he was uh, early in the war, and then they moved him out to San Francisco and then on to a LST and then into the Pacific. He uh, uh, was on a landing ship tank, and there's actually footage of his ship. Uh, it's uh, If you look on YouTube and look up LST-474, you'll see that ship come in on some silent Navy footage. And in the next frame, you'll see General MacArthur there on the beach, and my grandfather was there and actually witnessed MacArthur coming ashore there in the Philippines. So he actually told me about it, and uh, he passed away before I could find the footage. But it's, it's really fascinating. He had a lot of fascinating stories, you know. And, uh, well, but, uh, I'm glad you... Know, thankfully, uh, some good people, you know, encountered him on the road, saw him in uniform, and, uh, you know, allowed him to hitch a ride home. Many I think people were encouraged to, 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 uh, to uh, 
pick up Summers, you know, especially in uniform, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. My father was stationed near D.C. at Fort Belvoir, but he rode the train home occasionally. He may have thumbed that he, he didn't always tell all of his, sometimes he was re- reluctant to tell everything, you know, that he did. Yeah. But, uh, well, I but, used to uh, think it was safer, and then I met that Joe Lesniewski, and he told me the story, and I thought, well, maybe it's <laughs> always been rather dangerous. So, uh, well, do you feel comfortable doing it yourself, personally? Would did you feel more comfortable then than you would now? You, you're speaking to me? Yes. I wouldn't do it now. No way. You wouldn't do it? Okay. No, no. It was, I felt comfortable doing it. I, I, uh, uh, I Occasionally, it occurred to me to think about, you know, if two or three people pick me up, hey, they could knock me on the head and rob me sure. or something. But sure. nobody ever did it. I, the most yeah. dangerous thing that ever happened to me, and I was going to tell this as one of my stories, and I'm just using you as a, a foil now, mm-hmm. was a guy in a, uh, 62 Chevy Supersport. Right. Uh, convertible. He was wearing an open shirt with no T-shirt. You you know the type probably if yeah. you've been in rural Eastern North Carolina. And his and his sweetie with him, and they put me in the back seat, and then he ripped off down the I-85 at about 105 miles an hour. And I was oh. saying, thank you, Lord, just let me get that. He, they got me to Winston Salem, but they put me off at a bad place. Right. And that's that's what you know. But the, the the most interesting thing was there was one place in North Carolina. This is like 1964 or something that you could buy beer on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a place called Hams in Greensboro. And he pulled off the road, had a couple of beers, and then got back on the road. And that right. that, that was not any more of a comfort to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, it's well, thank it's, you I, for an interesting show. Somebody was looking out for me, and thank you for for calling about yes. your grandfather. And oh, sure. uh, and uh, listen when you can, okay? All right, thank you. Have thank you. Time. That's that's Mark and Raleigh, and that's the kind of thing we're looking for. Grand Grandpa in his uniform thumbed, and uh, there were an awful lot of uh, soldiers who had two day passes, and if they were close enough, hope to get to where their families were, whether it's wife and children or mom and dad or aunts and uncles or whatever. And uh, I really have no idea. And, and if you let your parents, uh, your father get away like I did, I, I didn't work on him hard enough to get the information out of him. Uh, I would know if he thumbed very much. But I know he rode the train some, and I think he would get off in Wilson uh, because that's where the Seaboard Airline, I believe, came through. I'm not sure, but I. But anyway, the train that, that he needed to be on did not go to Goldsboro, which is 25 miles away. So he thumbed the rest of the of the way. From uh, I know that, and he may have thumbed all the way sometimes. And uh, uh, in any event, uh, that, that's how folks got around in, in those days. If you uh, have a story that you are willing to tell, however simple or however complex, as long as we've got the time, 919 is the area code 860. 860- Nine seven eight three. I'm just kind of feeling nostalgic. Uh, this is we talked uh, Tuesday night about uh, the new exhibit at the Museum of History and how it is going to reflect on the participation of North Carolina soldiers during the Spanish-American War, during uh, the World War One, and during World War Two. That's where they dropped off. I, I guess someday they may add other wars, including the Korean War. But uh, the exhibit opened on April sixth, and I recommend then, and I recommend now that you might go by and check it out on Memorial Day, which is Monday, which is one of the reasons we wanted to do that program last night, and part of the reason we wanted to do the thing about thumbing, and I think the caller used the, 
the term the great generation, which is sometimes the group referred to that fought World War II. We'll take a break and we'll come back and maybe you'll be lined up to tell your story. If I have to
Memorial Auditorium and turned right at the corner at the edge of Memorial Auditorium, and then you were on Wilmington Street, which is still there. And you went out, and that became Highway 70, and you went to the 401 Spit. You went to uh, Smithfield and uh, Goldsboro, and that's where I wanted to go. And I had to get out there at Memorial Auditorium on the corner, and it was a good place to catch a ride because every car had to almost stop to turn that corner. And if you were standing there, there really wasn't an encumbrance. And so I'm standing there holding my sign that says 70 East, and the car with the girls goes by for a fourth time, and they are totally whizzed out by this time. How is this guy doing this? And they didn't stop. If they'd stopped, I would have told them how I was doing it, but they still didn't want to, to, to give me a ride. But I had the, the joy of knowing that I had bum-puzzled them a little bit about how this guy keeps appearing on the road in front of us. It must have seemed like something from the Twilight Zone, maybe, where a mysterious person is out there, and you think you pass him, and then you see him down the road a little bit and pass him. But I did, in, that did in fact happen to me, and, and it was it brought a little pleasure to that particular day. Well, I hope uh, my stories have been entertaining. I, I think of this as kind of like a uh, a uh, uh, storytelling time, and storytelling is a good thing to do because it reminds you. As we found out in Dr. Clark's book uh, about Vaughn the other night, it reminds you of the history of a place and how things were. And now, if you didn't know, you sort of know how thumbing went on. And I've told you at least my version of the mysteries of it and how one accomplishes of getting where one wants to get and what was necessary to get about if you didn't have a lot of cash circa 1960. In any event, tomorrow night is going to be uh, trivia night, Friday night trivia, and we're going to have named that song, and we hope you will join us for that on the Tom Kearney Show here on WPTF.